Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. I'm John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. But we're always coming from a place of love. You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Hi, John. What's up, Wody? <laughs> Wody son. That's old school. That's old school. Shout right? out. Bringing it back. <laughs> Circa 2001. That's right. Probably. From the Georgia State University <laughs> Olympic Village. Where did you not tell me that the, that our subject today debuted in that yes, very place? They, they, the, so, yeah, this film that we're going to talk about today, it's one of its premieres. I think there was a red carpet Los Angeles premiere, uh-huh. but it also premiered in 1996 at the Atlanta Olympic Village for, for the like centennial. athletes and dignitaries and all of that type stuff. There are pictures online and I'm like, holy shit, that is where John and I met each other. That's where we used to be out on the on the courtyard area throwing the softball around like Dugans. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is uh, it's, it's, meant, it's meant to be yeah. that we're going to talk about this movie, which is 1996's Eraser. Right. And Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, right at this is some say I think this is like the last good tr- like true action movie that the, he made. This is the last last action hero. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that very thing that you said. Speaking of, <laughs> what did you make of it? You you did not grow up I, watching yeah, so this. So when I popped this on, thank you Netflix for having it on there because oftentimes yeah. they don't, and often I have to pay for so it. So if you're listening at home. To check Netflix out, see yeah. if it's there. I think it. It still my, is today. In my mind, it's always like would behoove you as a <laughs> listener to have to have the movie fresh in your mind when you listen along. Yeah, so hit pause, go listen to a little bit, and come back yeah. and let us know what you think. But um, yeah. As far as is this movie watchable? Heck yeah, it is. <laughs> um, is it a lot of fun? Definitely. Is it super formulaic and predictable? Yes, indeed it is. From start to finish, there is not one single solitary surprise. It felt a little bit like, uh, yeah, a little bit paint my numbers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, so my history with the movie, as I recall it, was at some point the family had like a free month or free two months of HBO. We love that. And this was on all the time, like multiple times a day one summer. Yep. And then 15 year old Kevin or 16 year old Kevin watched it like daily for about a month, <laughs> probably because it was just it was what was on. And that, yeah. I was not going to change the channel off HBO. Man, whenever, yeah, whenever the yeah, because you were afraid it was going to be gone. Yeah. Like and it's like, I got to take advantage of this while while I've got it. Yeah. I, I remember that's like whenever the free HBO promotional thing came around, it was like they there was a, a steady lineup of about five or six movies that they just had on rotation yeah. all day. It's, and you it's a little different than regardless. that now, but back yeah. then it was definitely like every eight hours, like it'd cycle back mm-hmm. to 
what they had been showing that morning or something yep. like that. Honestly, my first exposure to these action movies was on an HBO free week. And it must've been like 88 or 89 because mm-hmm. it was kickboxer and die hard nice. on heavy rotation. Nice. And I watched the shit out of them. Were you also a guy who was going to pop a v- tape in the VCR and record that shit for later? Um, for the, I feel like the, the technology eluded me um, because I just, and I didn't do it, but like parents did. Parents well, definitely recorded. So I had a cabinet full of bootlegs. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we were big video store people. I mean, we did have a stack of bootlegs and stuff and we'd do that before vacation. Sometimes dad would take us and like, oh. pick out some stuff. But for the most dad part, hack. it was like, it was not like, like it wasn't this kind of stuff just cause he, it was what I was telling you before is it was weird that he was not into like stereotypical guts and glory action movies. It yeah. just wasn't up his alley for whatever reason. This movie I think falls definitely in that category of like being a dad movie. Right. Like it's, Aging actors, you know, like we were talking on um, on our Con Air series about the movie Air Force One, mm-hmm. which is probably like the most dad movie. Oh, yeah. Ever, you know, like 60 year old Harrison Ford kicking ass. Yeah. It's like that's every dad, you know, every dad's fuck like, yeah, I could. I, I still got still it. Do, I still got it. Go fuck up some terrorists. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll get we'll get to the movie here. Uh some great names attached with it. Some that I was yeah. less familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Starting with this director, Charles Russell. Uh, the Mask and Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Yeah. Which I was not a big The Mask watcher, but you were, I'm right? Fucking, I I was a, I worshipped at the at the altar of Jim Carrey. Okay. I was a James Carrey disciple. I, I was all. I bought into it. I was all over Dumb and Dumber and all over Ace Ventura. And and somehow like the mask fell through the cracks for me, but um but yeah so it's interesting though like neither of those movies are very much like this movie no uh, yeah it was like the the dude can do anything apparently yeah. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> uh, produced by Anne and Arnold Copelson responsible for Seven Outbreak Murder at sixteen hundred Devil's Advocate among countless yeah. others very um, busy did folks. you mention the Fugitive I did not they did that one yeah, and yeah. I think that Arnold I think. Also, what an Oscar for producing Platoon. That's cool. But yeah, Anne was the wife, um, frequent producing partner. She typically seemed like she was an executive producer. What I had read somewhere was that Arnold and Charles Russell were had linked up and were looking for something to do. They were trying to develop some projects. Mm-hmm. And then this one got presented to them. And they were like, oh, this is better than any of the other shit, I guess, that we're messing around with. So let's do it. So that happened. Well, probably this, yeah, Charles Russell probably knew. I was like, oh, I can't fuck this up. If it's this <laughs> formula and it's Arnold, like yes. there's no way it's like people are going to come see it. So I, I've got here, it's written by uh, Tony Purier and Waylon Green with a story credit for a dude named Michael S. Chernuchin? Chernuchin. Yeah, I went and looked at their stuff, and only the one guy, I think Waylon Green, has tons and tons and tons of TV credits. But he wrote The Wild Bunch. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, way back, you know. Yeah. like, And he wrote a movie I've never seen that you dropped a reference for recently. He wrote Solar Babies. Oh, shit, really? I did not see that. What okay. is that movie? It is a movie that takes place in a dystopian future, like all yeah. good movies do, and it's... I, I don't even know how to describe it except it's like for a it's teen like movie, children right? have been like enslaved in this in this weird society and these kids like rebel by sneaking out of their fucking like mine 
facility where they all you know are slave labor all day to like go roller skate okay (laughs) and then they somehow come across this alien life form that that is is like the key to a better future and so it's very 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 out there i feel like michael ironsides is in that movie i looked i looked it up and it had someone like the 80s yeah teen yeah like the the lesser not the brat packers yeah, the, but like the, the tier next below tier that, down. Or two tiers below that <laughs> um <laughs> it's good it's worth a watch and that dude waylon green also apparently was an uncredited writer on war games which is one okay. of my favorites yeah, that's a great that era then i also read that uh john milius did like heavy rewrites on eraser and was uncredited also, heavy rewrites done by Frank Darabont, who wrote Shawshank Redemption yeah. oh, and uh, directed Shawshank go. Redemption, and heavy rewrites by William Wisher, who wrote Terminator 1 and 2. What I want to know is, are these, is the script just getting passed around to these guys at different times? They're, they're definitely not all getting together. No, no, it can't it. be. It, it's like we throw you $50,000, I think, and you take a pass at it, like fix some things maybe, where, or give us ideas. You know, if you have any fresh ideas, this is in a day like in the nations of computer and word processing technology. So these guys were definitely not like tracking changes. They were were sending a a fucking huge ass manila envelope, like (laughs) four inches thick full of pages, like marked up. Just faxing that shit. We got a 400 page fax coming through. Yeah, I can't (laughs) use the phone for four hours. (laughs) What I also read was that they wanted uh, Stallone to play the movie and Stallone thought the script was too shitty. And maybe some earlier version, maybe I know that's rich from Stallone, but maybe some earlier version, maybe like the version that made it to film, which isn't that bad, was fixed by all these super talented writers who did post, you know, did rewrites on it. Then is like, was Jimmy Khan supposed to play the villain the whole time? Like, what was the deal? Because he's got. And maybe it's just because he's just legendary that everything he says in the movie, even though it might not be the greatest line ever written. He like sells you be- it. Yeah, you believe it. Yeah, he's a anyway, badass. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and Tell music by Alan Silvestri. Fucking idol. Prolific. Forrest Gump. More recently, Avengers Endgame. But Predator, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mac and Me. Classic. Back to the Future. <laughs> back to the All the backs, <laughs> backs to the future. Um, it's like he's done. I like, his IMDb is insanity he's He's one of the big he's like him and Hans Zimmer and he's done like between five and eight movies a year since the early 90s it's like you got John Williams and then that next tier on like the Mount Rushmore is probably Silvestri and Hans Zimmer and um, more somebody else up there with John Williams but you know like in a different kind of obviously a different way but and then, uh, as I was just telling you before we started recording, director of photography was this dude named Adam Greenberg, yeah. who did Terminator and Terminator 2, and supposedly Arnold picked him, like hand-selected him, because he knew this dude Greenberg could handle a lot of action and keep him on schedule, Right. and I think they might have been in a little bit of a rush <laughs> trying yeah, to get this I film guess, shot. I mean, I guess so. I can definitely see why it, 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 it does feel a little slapped together at times, but no more so than most of these movies feel. Yeah, know? yeah. So starring, as we've mentioned, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a U.S. Marshal John Kruger slash Eraser. Yeah, that's what we're going to call him Eraser. Yeah. And then we got uh, James Kahn as U.S. Marshal Robert DeGuerin. Mm-hmm. Fucking idol. Red yeah. Rest in peace. Ah, oh, so sad to hear he's gone. Jimmy Kahn, yeah. It's a, a fucking legend. I mean, Godfather, Misery, Thief, uh... Bottle Rocket, 
Yeah, Dude, well, yeah. Anytime he said the the name John in this movie, John, <laughs> John, and then uh, Elf, of course. Yes. I feel like, and man, yeah. So Arnold on the aftermath tweeted about uh, James Con. James Con was an icon, a legend. He inspired everyone who has ever been in front of a camera. I was lucky to work with him and see his talent and his fantastic sense of humor firsthand. He was a great training partner in the gym and a true friend, and I'll miss him. That's awesome. Fucking stand-up guy, that yeah, Arnold. R.I.P. I James love Con. the thought of them, like, hitting the gym together. I do, too, yeah. I feel like Arnold's just that dude who, like... Let's go pump some iron. Yeah, like because he's in there anyway, and people are like, "Yeah, you got to work out." Oh, no, dude, I could you imagine if Arnold was like, "You want to go like do some curls with me?" That'd be amazing because he, I mean, even just if you're no, you can't do what shit. he can do. It's kind of like I don't think he cares that much. I think he just wants to see everyone like be their working best. on their fitness. You know, yeah, that's <laughs> fucking killer, man. That's enough to get me inspired. Um, also starred Vanessa Williams as Lee Cullen. Right. That's Miss America, 1983. Crown stripped because she stripped. <laughs> Later resigned in some controversy after doing a nude photo shoot. Um, That's some bullshit. Also a very talented singer, like one lots of Grammys. Amazing singer. Really, big really hit was Save the voice. Best for Last. Yeah. Big uh, 80s slash 90s ballad. It had to be a 90s song. Yeah. And she does like good work. I feel I like this know was her the first. Sun comes down in June. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like this was her first like big foray into Hollywood, like acting. Yeah. And she carries her own. Let's say. Yeah, she was perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> she was not offensive. We also see James Coburn, another legend. Oh my god! Yeah, Hollywood legend, especially particularly from like that classic westerns era yeah dude so he plays uh chief arthur beller like the chief of of witness security grew up a big, a big fan of james coburn because like we had like uh te- like turner classic movies on oh, all the time yeah. and he's just in all those like what um he was in the great escape uh I see in the magnificent so seven good. so he was like he's also in charade 1963 with um Walter Matthau, George Kennedy, that cast was fucking stacked. He was a heavy hitter among heavy hitters, uh, you know, back in the 60s, killing the game. I, mean, I, I forgot to mention, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, no slouches, as the leads in Charade. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that movie is incredible. If you haven't watched that one in a while, and James Coburn's like a young man, and his, like, his face just like chiseled features. It was like he was like drawn out of a comic book or something crazy. That's awesome. Uh, also featuring Robert Pastorelli. Yeah. Gotta love him. Rest in peace also. Yeah. He, as Johnny C. Yeah. He was Timmons and Dances with Wolves. Don't hurt my mules. <laughs> you Don't gotta, hurt my mules. You got to remember him. Yeah. The sort of drunken uh, chuck wagon driver. Um, uh, I think was recognized for his recurring role as Murphy Brown's handyman. Was Ed he always in there painting the place? Yeah. Yeah. Ed, uh, Eldon Bernecki on Murphy Brown. Yeah. He died. In 2004, aged 49 from a morphine overdose. Fuck. Right? That sucks, man. I had, sucks forgot, I had forgotten that he had passed away. Yeah. That bummed me out a but, little and bit. And just super talented. Super easy on screen. Lots of charisma. Anyway, he was, he was fun in this one. And then speaking of people who are like still fucking kicking it, <laughs> just, James Cromwell, one of your personal favorites, I, I think. love what him What a fucking legendary so uh, dude. What himself. in the blue fuck? <laughs> yes. He can do so much with so little. Like, he does one scene in this movie, and he's incredible. And it's a flimsy-ass scene. Yeah. But he can he, be so menacing. I mean, he can be funny, charming. 
Wasn't he like Babe's? Uh, yeah, he was the farmer in Babe. That'll do, pig. That'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking great dude. Uh, and kind of a fucking... Like, I didn't realize he was such an animal uh, activist, you know? Like, he glued himself to the counter in a Starbucks or something because he didn't like the way that they, they have, like, unethical milk or something like that. That was recent. <laughs> unethical like, milk sounds like a band name. <laughs> yes, dude. We're unethical we'll milk. Thank you. After. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you said this is a blind taste test for you, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I have no recollection of this. If I saw it, then I was blacked out on Mountain Dew at the time. Okay, so <laughs> I love that. Oh, I want to say, yeah, welcome to all of our listeners, new listeners, old listeners. Welcome to our listeners on the last of the Action Heroes podcast network. All over the world. They're in Australia. They're in... Saudi Arabia. They're in <laughs> They're in Great Israel. Britain. They're Shout in. out to my friend Jacqueline, hey, who's hey. in London, promising that she's listening right now. So she lies. If not, yeah, true be. lies. You better be. <laughs> or else. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you're listening to us on our own OG feed, check out the podcast network. Yeah. Here's some of the other content that's over there. And if you're listening on the podcast network, do yourself a favor and subscribe to our own Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger feed. We got some back catalog stuff there. We actually, we release like in a higher audio quality on, um, on that feed because nice. we're not, we're not fighting over, uh, every megabyte right. <laughs> with all of our other shows. So, uh, if you know, if you don't like the way we sound on the podcast network, How dare you? we probably sound a little bit better on our own feed. How could you say such a thing? So with all that, uh, the paperwork, the formalities out That's of the right. way, we'll all get that housekeeping, the, we'll let's get talk about this fucking flick. movie. Opens with the fucking Warner Brothers logo. Yes. Always a mark of quality. Uh-huh. I feel like uh, we got a montage of like extreme close-ups of a man getting geared up for combat. And again, this is something we've seen in uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. We've seen it in other things that we've watched recently, too. But yeah, like it's the dress your G.I. Joe part. Oh, of course. It's like in half of Arnold's movies, I feel yeah. like. Commando. But then, but then also like interspersed with the like the oh, pictures of, di- like, you're saying of the, stuff. The montage that sort of yeah. clues you in on the plot yeah it, yeah it fills you in on the plot yeah so that stuff of this dude getting geared up it's being intercut with like flashes of passports and birth certificates and stuff like that being destroyed i felt like practically the entire cast of the movie had their names in the opening credits they were mm-hmm. fucking 22 different actors like had the had their credits it was, it was, a, it was a long sequence it was. Because hey, so, they were on there like two at a time for the most part. Yeah, too. it was nuts. We got these uh, latex gloves being pulled on, a watch being set. That is a Panerai Luminor Marina. That's a $4,500 watch retail today. Yeah, they must have paid some money for that placement because it was like a, a conspicuous close-up. Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't like a Rolex or something. But yeah, there's also but like... That's the kind of a pricey watch for like a civil servant Yeah, well, as well. Yeah. So also the, a shuriken hidden in a belt buckle. I <laughs> Some piano wire, <laughs> some piano wire getting rolled up, and didn't just like a handful of bullets. Like it's yeah, some you know. weird stuff. <laughs> it would have been funny. I thought if it was like the glove being pulled on and then fingers dipping into petroleum jelly. <laughs> what the fuck's going oh, on around man. here? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. and then yeah, roadside flares being taken out of a box and some red liquid being poured yeah, into a bottle. What the fuck is that? That's wild. It's like this it's is. Like, it looks like blood, but what showing is, like, us everything. Yeah. It's corn syrup. And we also see a flash of words, witness protection program. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and we see a picture of Vanessa Williams being burned. Yeah. Which she doesn't enter the plot until later in the movie. So I don't know if we're, I don't know what we're supposed to make of this. Yeah. If well, we're supposed we're to just supposed think to know this she's is in it. just a montage or is this supposed to be happening 
Who knows? And so, and we see a U.S. Marshal badge. Right. And a ski mask being pulled on over the vaguely recognizable head of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Did you recognize that as Arnold? Just I, his, like, sort of silhouette. I would have, yeah, sort of a, like, tall, angular forehead. And yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, I feel like that's a recognizably Arnold, which speaks to his fame. Yeah. You can totally. see him in a ski mask and be like, yeah, that's Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I got mugged by Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Again. Jesus. So... Cut to a quiet suburban neighborhood inside a home. A couple of goons are roughing up Johnny. That's uh, Pastorelli while a woman is bound and gagged on the floor. One of the goons is pouring gasoline all over everything. And the other guy is telling Johnny that no one hides from us. So the gasoline goon, he douses the woman and what else but gasoline. Right. Uh, the lead goon punches Johnny, tells gasoline, dude, go get me some ice because I think I broke my hand. <laughs> The dudes are like putting off mafia vibes, right? Yeah, everyone's very Italianate. Like, <laughs> there's a very like New Jersey, Long Island thing happening. There was a third goon who seemed like very content to just be looking on and watching it all right. happen as the door sort of swings open. Yeah, behind we hear him. like creak behind him. He's like, "What is that?" Yeah, exactly. Telltale <laughs> sign. Some shit's about to go down. The dude was like. <laughs> just nodding like and stoked to be watching it's like though. yeah this is fun so yeah he goes to check out the door has some sort of like a noose drop down over his head and he's hoisted up out of sight like lickety split like batman <laughs> did arnold just do that with brute strength yes okay totally dude got like hauled up like he was weightless yeah so the lead goon rips the tape off johnny's mouth Tells him that the boss wants a souvenir. Yeah, Mr. Cannellini, or Can Canelli, not Cannellini. That's a, that's <laughs> that a, a that's delicious a pasta. pasta. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Cannelli. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Uh, Pastrami wants a souvenir. So he whips out a knife as a fourth goon. How many guys are in Appears the with a pair of pliers and a baggie. I like that dude just sort of materialized <laughs> he in his did. He's like, hello? Yes. With the sole job of holding <laughs> the baggie. <laughs> um, and, and pulling the tongue out one would assume yes. with those pliers. Yeah, it appears that the plan is that we're going to cut Johnny's tongue off. Uh, the guy says Mr. Canelli wants a souvenir. So through dialogue, we get the impression that Johnny was going to be testifying against the mob. Right. The lead goon says, we're going to forward the tongue. To your witness protection friends, yeah. Well, come on now. Is the tongue going to Mr. Canelli? Yeah. Or is it who's going getting to the, Who's getting Who gets tongue? the tongue? Are you going to split it? Have, yeah. You go have these on the tongue. So gasoline goon is like pounding a fried chicken drumstick <laughs> yeah, from he, the fridge. He is distracted. He is he's supposed <laughs> to be getting ice, for fuck's sake. You had one job. All that gasoline pouring is hungry work, yeah, it is. apparently. But how hungry would you have to be to eat a loose drumstick out of a stranger's refrigerator? I don't know. Not very. Yeah, you do it. I've, I've, I've you don't definitely know how long it's been in there. Doesn't matter. If it's, <laughs> Give it you, a sniff. Yeah, totally. The sniff <laughs> test is, is a for real thing. So a masked uh, U.S. Marshal John. Kruger, a.k.a. Eraser, materializes, hits the dude with like a roundhouse kick mm -hmm. before breaking his neck in the freezer door. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty I, I, sweet like, kill. It's a neat kill. Yeah, he clamps his head in the door and then wrenches his body around. around. I was wondering if it was Arnold <laughs> that did that kick. Because it was like a pretty decent yeah, little roundhouse. He does this like weird pirouette, slaps the gun, then roundhouse. It's like a neat sequence of moves there. Yeah. So the goons that are in the other room with Johnny, they hear the commotion, but it's already too late because a racer comes running into the room, shooting pliers goon. Uh, he hits a rolling somersault before sweeping the leg on the lead goon. The mm -hmm. guy goes through like a coffee table or some shit. A racer pounces on top of him and the goon asks, who the hell are you? 
And then Eraser responds by killing him in like an unclear manner. I think he just crushed his windpipe with his oh, forearm. Man. I think he just he just like bore down on him and cracked strength. Just, just crushed his wind hole. So Eraser removes his mask and Johnny demands to know who he is. Who are you? Shut up. <laughs> I love okay. that response. Yeah. That's vintage Fine. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. There's no need to be Shut rude up. here. Um, but Eraser tells close your him, eyes. Eraser tells him and the woman to shut up and close their eyes. He pours that red syrupy liquid all over Johnny's shirt and on the woman's throat. Tells him to keep still and snaps a couple of pictures of them appearing to be dead. Johnny is immediately down. He's just like the woman's whimpering. He's, he's like just says. he's like just do whatever he says to do. Uh, he then tells them to take off the clothes they're wearing along with any jewelry and ID they have. Now, Johnny and Eraser go to retrieve a couple of bodies from his trunk. Mm-hmm. I felt like I love that he's just enlisting his witness to help move some corpses around. Yeah, but like Johnny must be a hoss because he slung that body over his <laughs> shoulder, like picked it up and slung it over his shoulder like it was not a big deal. <laughs> no, I think he is a pretty thick dude. But yeah, yeah. these bodies are getting slung around as if they're, they're mannequins. Very, very light. <laughs> so, yeah, he unzips the body bags and are labeled Wayne County Morgue. He tells Johnny to dress the dead bodies up in his clothes and the women's clothes. Now, Racer drags a couple of the goons out into the front yard. Right. He plants the Polaroids of the dead uh, Johnny and his girlfriend on one of the guys. Right. Then he stages the scene to look like one goon shot the other goon in the back. Like he puts bullets in them. Yeah. He, yeah. He like takes the, and he's wearing the latex glove. Yeah, already, yeah. So yeah. The forensics on this would be all wrong though. Probably. Like it'd be like, well, this person was shot after they were dead or like, and they were exactly. shot. We can tell they were shot like lying down already. You know what I mean? So yeah, he put like the gun in one guy's hand. Yeah. Which I'm like, that guy is either the dude who's got a broken neck from the refrigerator or the the, windpipe. It's the windpipe guy. Is it? Okay. But I'm just thinking like, so he shot him in the back, but also he's got his windpipe crushed or how did this, how did this play out? It's just a long shot that this is going to fool anybody. They should have done like in the TV show, Barry, where he just like sort of crushed his windpipe so that he was still alive and then took him outside and and shot him him so that he was going to be dead. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. Or maybe it's the dude who's already been shot in the chest (laughs) in the other room or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I don't know what the theory is that there's like that, that there's crooked cops and the word will get back to Mr. Kennelly that. Yeah that the job was done, but there's also going to be like missing guys, right? Like he'll recognize I'm missing a few other goons. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the idea sends, is just, maybe in, in mob world that sends a signal that's like, this has gone about as far as it needs to go. And you just leave this one alone. Mr. Cannellini. It could just be <laughs> Mr. Cannoli. <laughs> it could be the only idea is just to create a little initial confusion. Yeah. Um, but so then a racer calls 911, says there's been a murder at that location, asked for the police. I love the moment where uh, Johnny asked a racer, like, what are you doing? And he tells him they killed you. And then they turned on each other. And Johnny's like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> that was a memorable line yeah, to me really good. from uh, watching it as a youngster. So they finished staging the scene as the sound of sirens can be heard approaching. Johnny's super nervous, but Eraser tells him. Yeah, keep cool. Yeah, we need an audience for what's about to happen. So Eraser slings another goon corpse up on his shoulder uh, and tosses the flare into the room. There's like he slung that dude like he was weightless. But I think yeah. Eraser's got superhuman strength. Yeah, I can't remember. It, that was either the windpipe guy or the fridge guy. I can't remember. I can't keep track of all the bodies, I but think, I think that, that maybe that was when 
I think that guy. was windpipe guy because I think the guy who he put the gun on had a leather jacket yeah, on, and, and the other dudes didn't have yeah. leather. Whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And there's and not to mention the fourth goon who's presumably on the roof. Right. <laughs> he's in the gutter. Or he's and been dumped in the gutters or something yeah. like that. Yeah. The house goes up in flames as they run to his car. They haul ass out of there just as the police are rolling up. I love the way you fucking fishtailed that station wagon. Yeah. Um, I love a station wagon. Love yeah. this era. Yeah. <laughs> so Johnny thanks a racer enthusiastically is telling him if there's anything you ever need, just ask foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Uh, Eraser says that, I, you know, you endangered your life and the marshals assigned to protect you by going back to your old neighborhood for a meal. Yeah, I love his girl, like, scolds him. Johnny's like, I couldn't resist the Osobuco. It was like, I felt like it was like Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas, where yeah. he's like saying, out here, you know, all you can get is egg noodles and ketchup or whatever. But, um, yeah, well, rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Uh, yeah, shit, man. The rough week for mob, mob, mob. movie actors. So or then a couple a ra- of weeks, rather. Eraser says, next time... You know, you won't get rescued. This is a one shot deal. So they pulled up now next to a body of water, unload from the station wagon. Racer ditches the car in the water, much to uh, Johnny's dismay. Johnny doesn't understand what's happening. Thinks they're stranded now or something. Racer had that perfectly linked piece of wood Uh ready to go to wedge in. Dude, he's a professional. He brought that shit from home. Like, he cut that himself. He measured (laughs) it. He measured it twice before he cut. Also, though, right, there's a mob guy in a body bag in the back of that car. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm just thinking, like, at some point, I feel like that gets discovered and then I don't know what Mr. Kennelly thinks at that point. Right. I think he's just like, we let that one go. We let that one go. Obviously. Honestly, I feel like if they, if, and when he's ever found, they feel like another mob family, like probably did it. And then there's like an all out mob war. But even if they thought it was like, if it's the feds, what they're not going to do anything. They'll just be like, all right, we'll let them have this one. Like we're not, we can't do anything. Yeah, sure. Now, Another van turns on its headlights and a racer leads them over to it. Uh, he tells them, you'll never see me again, but I'll know every move you make. And he says, if Johnny tries to skip out on testifying that he will deliver Johnny to the mob himself. As a racer walks away, Johnny's yelling at him again. You know that he's a stand up dude. Yeah, he's like, and he he's like pleading you. his case. He's like, I'm the best. I owe you. Then he's like, what's your name? which is a fucking weird thing to ask. Uh, but the girlfriend and Johnny are shoved into the van by some other U.S. Marshals. And the one dude says, smile, you've just been erased. End of movie. That's <laughs> fucking woof. That is bad. That's how the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Academy Award nominee for short film. <laughs> um, is that close enough to naming the movie that we can walk out? No, I don't think so. Not, okay, unless, okay. unless someone says eraser. <laughs> okay. But it is like it's and the, even the delivery of it's like that sucked. That was bad. It was terrible. <laughs> anyway. So well, cut to eraser is walking down the street in uh, Washington, D.C. Everyone was carrying umbrellas and but it wasn't raining. It was very wet like it had been uh, yeah, just a moment ago. But though. like people had their umbrellas open. Maybe it, like maybe it was like just sprinkling stopped. and you couldn't tell like that it was, had. Yeah. Had or maybe before. the rain just forms a pocket. <laughs> around a racer like it never rains where he is yeah because of physics or whatever <laughs> he repels the rain yeah, he's um, waterproof he walks into the u.s marshal's uh, witness security protection program headquarters uh-huh. some co-workers ask him if he can pick out the fake driver's license from a set of three that they have which a racer runs his fingers over them and then is just instantly like yep yeah, that's the fake and walks on 
That serves no purpose. That scene. I mean, other than supposed I guess, to be like, oh, it's so show impressive. He's how good he He's, is. At this. He used to be a bartender. Yeah. So the fuck what? <laughs> how does that not pay off later though? That seems like something that set up for later on. He's able to tell someone's idea is fake or something. Maybe, you know what I mean? Or it's just supposed to be, it's a dumb plot device, but it's like, <laughs> so another guy uh, asks him, you know, who the hell who was, that? was that? I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you, which is strange because this movie is full of like it being unclear whether his identity is a secret right. or they're just telling random people. That's John Kruger. Right. <laughs> John <laughs> Kruger Mellencamp. <laughs> But yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to who's allowed to know who he is or not. No. So Eraser is working at a computer, putting the finishing touches on killing off Johnny and his girlfriend. He's like swapping dental records between whatever yeah. corpse was going to be found. And I am very skeptical that this is how any of this works. Oh, no. It is <laughs> definitely, just, it's not drag and drop he technology. He was just dragging and dropping. And then he printed out a fresh x-ray off of a desktop printer. Like, I don't understand any of it. Is there like a universal dental record database? And I'm just going to go. Out, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that WITSEC d- is not up there with like CIA as far as their technology. No, they don't have it like that. No, man. they are. They are a <laughs> they're utilitarian. <laughs> it's like we're going to put you over here and be quiet. And yes. bye, And that's it. Now, Daguerrean, that's James Caan. Daguerrean enters the room. He's admiring Eraser's handiwork. Rest in peace again to the legend. Yeah. Um, they engage in a little right wing banter about how the U.S. legal system is too lenient. Mm. And then uh, Daguerrean cautions Eraser about such brazen tactics as stealing bodies out of the morgue. Then he starts lamenting the fact that they can't just act with godlike authority anymore. He's like, now they're uh, the Congress is always looking over our shoulders right. and shit like that. <laughs> Eraser wonders aloud if his actions from the night before are the reason why the big boss Beller has called him into his office. Uh, Daguerrean tells him that the old man doesn't know anything about last night. Then he says, Shadow Op still has some privileges. No fucking clue what that means. Yeah. Is... That's what I'm wondering is, is Eraser... Is he a a special wing of witness protection? I think he is supposed to be their, like, Green Berets or whatever. He's Jason Bourne or he's He's, like... Yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He's the hand of God for Witsec. So Eraser gets up to walk out. But he apparently has his own, pe- like his own witnesses too. So he's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like, and I was, so Pastorelli wasn't one of his. That was the first time they ever like saw it. each other. Yeah, I think. it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. So uh, Daguerrean says, John, it's, it's good work. Eraser says, I had a good teacher. And Daguerrean says, bullshit. You had the best. I'm just going to go ahead and say that at that moment, having never <laughs> seen this movie, I guessed <laughs> right quick. That that James Conn was the bad guy, <laughs> but I will say it's nice to see. I love watching these elder statesmen like do Fuck their fucking yeah. thing, so they can still act. Because he he is a fucking killer actor, man. His scenes are all great. Yeah, well, the line that clued me is like Eraser says that someone once taught him that improvisation is the heart of field work, <laughs> and, that, and that that someone was Daguerrean. Yeah, and I was like, okay, well then he's the bad guy. He has like a he's his mentor. Yeah, so because it's going to be like a, a pissing match between these two guys. Someone's it's always the mentor or the or the apprentice has to like one has to turn on the other right. one always right. Now speaking of older legendary actors doing the damn thing Woo. in a wood panel office, Beller that's James Coburn is telling Eraser 
that we have over 14,000 people in WITSEC protection, but none of them with a profile like the person in the file that I'm holding. What a voice on James Coburn. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, amazing speaking voice. According to Wikipedia, in 2020, there were about 19,000 witnesses in witness protection. Okay. So I think that number, 14,000 and some odd, is like pretty fucking, that's probably like pretty accurate. Right. Holds up. Beller says that this person is Lee Cullen. She's a a real, live, bona fide, honest person. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because Eraser immediately assumes that with a file like that, that they must be scum. But Beller's like, no, this person's actually pretty good. So Beller says, you know, she works for a defense contractor, Cyrez, specializes in top secret weapons research. And it appears that she had uncovered that someone at Cyrez was like selling secrets. Beller says that Lee is the Fed's star witness and the case was going to cause a big scandal. He says that she's uh, smuggling some files out of Cyrez the next day, and as soon as that's done, that Eraser is supposed to hide her with the utmost secrecy. Only Eraser and Bella are going to know where she's mm-hmm. in. Bella warns that this case could affect like some heavy hitters in Washington, so to be careful. Yeah. Eraser seems very concerned for Lee's safety. Well, she is, via that photo, she's very attractive, so he's like, immediately <laughs> concerned. And that's our setup of our... Uh, the premise of the film. I dig it. It's like an intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't think of another movie where there was like a, you know, a a witness being protected except for witness. Um, yeah. (laughs) I, I, what was the plot of that shit? She was an Amish woman. Like the child I think had seen some sort of killing. Okay. Yeah. And he was was Harrison Ford. Was he a witness protection guy? I, I think he was just a fed if I recall, but he, he had to like, Go and join the community. So yeah, yeah, he was living like amongst them yeah. with Carl from Die Hard, <laughs> <laughs> who looks very uh, fetching in Amish wear. Yeah, totally, dude. Um, but so fade to Lee Cullen. That's Vanessa Williams, nervously walking up to the Cyrus building. Strikingly beautiful woman. Yeah, definitely. The building was super fucking futuristic. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, very. There was one of the Cobra helicopters from Con Air was like setting down on the roof or something up there. Uh, Lee goes to her office and prepares for her mission. We see that the FBI guys are watching her from an office across the street through telescope and the world's largest pair of binoculars. Those are fucking huge. <laughs> but that was John Slattery. It was John Slattery, yeah, Roger Sterling from Mad Men. With the beginning of his graying hair. Handsome dude, though. Always. So where are these guys supposed to be that they're watching her through binoculars, though? Because I feel like they show the compound later and it's like it's on its own huge piece of property. Like, well, that's why the binoculars are so big, (laughs) but it makes it but they make it seem like it's right across the fucking street. Yeah, because Uh, they yeah, the way that they can see her, it's like like they were seeing a close up through a window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lee pops an earpiece in her ear. She turns on a small camera that's hidden in her brooch. Lee makes contact with the FBI guys who were fucking flirting with her right love, off the bat. I love that um, she she asks if she looks okay, to which John Slattery's like, tell her she looks great. And, <laughs> the, and the guy talking with her says, not bad, Miss Cullen. Yeah. Which she seems, to, she seems to appreciate the levity. <laughs> I can't blame him, but it's like, I feel like it's probably unprofessional to yeah. be like trying to mack on your... <laughs> but <laughs> again, she, and, and I'm not saying it's okay, but I mean, it's like, she seems to appreciate the fact that like they were trying to like make the mood lighter maybe sure sure yes so lee proceeds to the top secret area where there's heavily like where there's heavy security and scientists working away on various projects 
They went full on like walleye lens, like it was a fucking Beastie Boys video or something. She sneaks into the secure vault where the company's servers are. These FBI guys are just casually remarking that they bribed somebody to get the code. Yeah. It's like, where the fuck is that guy? Why is he not the one who's going in here to do this thing? That's, um, there's another movie's like, uh, oh, it's in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, man. I hope this, uh, (laughs) I hope this is worth the price we paid. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no. But anyway, the FBI guys, they lose their audio and video feed when she goes inside. Yeah, but they're always like, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. We knew that she was going to be out of communication for so a few says, minutes. She better hurry because there's going to be a shift change in five minutes. What? What? Why are you doing it now? Yeah, <laughs> why didn't you do it 15 <laughs> minutes ago? Why are you putting yourself in a race against time? That so is unnecessary. Stupid. Unless it's somehow important that... Maybe there's confusion during shift change and it'll help her get out of there. Also, how long is the hallway that it took her five minutes to walk down? <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. She told the security guy she's going to be 10 minutes. She's going to spend <laughs> five minutes of it walking down the hall just like and looking weird. <laughs> anyway. Looking suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looking over her shoulder. <laughs> Who's there? Who's looking? Does anyone see? So Leah, she removes a disc from her purse, pops it in the computer. She begins copying files onto the disc. With a few deft keystrokes. Just <laughs> like, what the fuck is that arm that's whipping around in there? Like, what I, is that? That's, I feel like it, in 96, I feel like that was like the height of futuristic, like, tech. I feel like nowadays, everything in that room probably fits on a fucking thumb drive or yeah. something like that. But like that arm whirring around, was this supposed like to be pulling, like moving discs? I think it's pulling discs okay. or plugging into drives. I, I thought that that's what it meant was that it was like moving to a different drive and plugging in. There's some but, other movie, and I can't remember what it is now, where there's like a huge version of this and like a person is on the arm as it's swinging around. Hmm. Like it was some futuristic sci-fi movie. But I think this was like a technology at that time like right if you had a massive server it would have something like this going on in there but we see these like schematics of what looks like some type of a gun on the monitor yeah it's labeled hyper velocity mag pulse proto oh i didn't even read the text yeah okay so yeah we see uh she finishes up with a few minutes to spare decides to make another copy the fuck we are low on time (laughs) we know that you've got no time and it's already taken a minute and a half two minutes to copy one disc well it's so she grabs this disc off like just a stack of discs that's on the desk that makes me think that it's like a spur of the moment decision that she made, right? Like she didn't come prepared it seems, to do this. It seems from her acting that it was a spur of the moment decision. Okay. It doesn't seem like she like had planned for it. She was just like, well, as long as I'm here and I see a disc sitting here, right. I guess I'll make me another copy. And that makes sense for the time too. Cause I remember being in like labs and stuff and just like stacks of like loose CDs. Yeah. CD-ROM. Now the FBI dudes though, they're freaking out. They're like, we never should have used her like as if they had other options. Yeah. Slider's like, she is out of time. So she hides that copy of the disc in her little compact and walks out. FBI dudes are celebrating. Security guard at the exit tells her that Mr. Donahue wants to see her. Yeah. She says, okay, I'll be up in a minute. And the security guard says, Mr. Donahue said, right Right now. now. Rather darkly insistent. That was a really good reading from the guard. I feel like, because he like had one line and he fucking sold it. Yeah. He's Mr. Like, Donahue said right now. Yeah. That was like menacing, you know, the way he said it. Yeah. So FBI guys start to panic as the security guard escorts her to the elevator. They're scrambling, trying to figure out what floor of the building uh, Donahue's office is on. Lee says 25th floor, sort of under her breath. Yeah. Like out loud for their yeah. benefit. I the felt security like. guard is like, I know where it is. 
gotten real defensive about it. I like that. The FBI guys say, get back up ready and roll in there if things go south. Lee asks Mr. Donahue, that's James Cromwell. Yes. What do you want? What do you want? Uh, what a fucking talented actor, man. From the from the moment you see him, it's like, God, why are you so good? So he uh, he cues up the surveillance video of her sneaking into the server vault. Lee fumbles so for an like, explanation. What the fuck is this plan then? Like, what the hell? <laughs> he's she's like fumbling for he's an like, explanation. He's like, that, that, that's someone I trusted for five years, and someone that I told others could be trusted. Mm-hmm. She tries to like come up with some sort of an excuse. He cuts her off. We're way beyond bullshit here. Amazing. Which was uh, one of the few lines that I really remembered well, rewatching it even 20 years later. He demands to know who she's working for. She says she should be asking him the same question because she thought they worked for the U.S. government. He says not to be so naive. We're a weapons manufacturer, not the Red Cross. Yeah. He says if the U.S. isn't willing to buy their weapons, it's his job to find someone who will. That can't be true. Those bottom lines, baby. Yeah. We'll sell they, it to the Saudis. That can't be how it works. We'll sell you don't it sell the... it to our enemies. Sure. I feel like they're getting paid no. whether the government buys it or not, right? You you can't, like, I think in a lot they of instances, you, yeah, you, like, you are under legal obligation to not sell it to. It's, I'm like, sure it's all strictly classified, like the stuff that works and the stuff that doesn't work. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. It's like Northrop Grumman is not selling stuff to North enemy Korea. states. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, or Lockheed. Well, we, we decided to give it to Iran. Sorry. <laughs> no. So uh, Cullen Lee says she didn't realize that treason was part of the business strategy. Donahue comes over and grabs her and he sees that camera that's hidden in her blazer. She says she's working with the FBI. They've heard everything you just said. I love that Slattery like tells the guy that's on the call with her, like, get her out of there. Get her out. How is he going to get How's her out? How is that going to work? Like, they don't have what? guys out the, outside the door. Cromwell, another great reading. And you think that makes you safe? Oh, and he's just like sits down like oh, deflated. Dude. He pulls a pistol out of his uh, desk. He points it at her. Says, how could you do this to me? I hope you understand, Lee. You leave me no choice. <gasps> Donahue turns the gun on himself and pulls the trigger. The window behind him shatters. Fucking paper flies everywhere. He blows his brains out and the window and the paper just swirls. Reams of paper. <laughs> and then dozens upon dozens of people run in the room. It's <laughs> they like, were all who waiting. the fuck? Like right outside the door. In the ante room. <laughs> they were all waiting. This dude had like manuscripts for his memoirs or something lying around because it was legitimately like <laughs> it was stacks paper of paper. everywhere. Yeah. It's a, but man, a good little day's work from Cromwell. I feel like they probably shot that scene in a day, you know? He is like easily one of the best performances in the movie. No a, doubt. In, a, in a movie full of people that are great actors. Sure. Yeah. So well, yeah. Especially the old guys. Security, Donahue's receptionist, everyone bursts in. Lee goes running out of there. She's speed walking towards the exit. Very quick cut because getting down from the 25th floor to the lobby wouldn't be quick no. necessarily. Like no. They probably had the building locked down by then. But uh, as she's walking through the main security desk, it's a phone call to try to stop her. Dude, did you think those security guards were dressed like something out of fucking science fiction? Like it was, shiny silver uniforms. It was, yeah, their uniform was a little a little out there. It was like Star Trek-ish. Yeah. So she gets past that dude, gets outside, where she is whisked away in an FBI van. Yeah, her buddies came and got her, thank God. Yes. How did they get from where they were <laughs> two, get, four miles away with their there's binoculars? A check, there's a checkpoint, I'm sure, yeah. a, a security gate. No, there gate. is. We see it later in the movie. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely a checkpoint that we're they had to get to through. Do, we're here to deliver a bunch of pizzas. We do, yeah, we, we do not understand. But that's another good point. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it later on. It's it like, works. how the fuck did he get in? They're like, 
Hey, look, pizza, wave him through. <laughs> Everyone, I feel like everybody working security there is like someone's brother-in-law or something. You know what I mean? Like, they all, they all the got the hook up. <laughs> um, But yeah, that that's our setup. That's our oh, first shit. act. Yeah, that gets us going. <laughs> that's a lot of shit happened. It is. It's, um, yeah, it was chocked full. So uh, we will leave it there. We will refill our glasses. Hell yes, we will. <laughs> Layla says hello. Hello. And we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>